There are three mindsets that keep us from extravagant generosity. Those three mindsets we discussed two weeks ago and we say them again today. There is not enough, more is better, and that's just the way it is. This is how Zacchaeus lived his life pre-Jesus. But all of that changed when he encountered Jesus. There is a movement, a progression, a before and an after in the story of Zacchaeus. And if you miss that, then you only get half of the story. In fact, the song that we sing in Sunday school only tells half of the story. I'm going to your house today, and that's where it ends. But that's not the end of the story. Zacchaeus went from the mindset of there is not enough to a sense of contentment, no longer defined as being a consumer. He became defined as being a child of Abraham, which means he belonged to the covenant. He found his place in life. Zacchaeus went from the mentality of more is better to a sense of abundance. My cup runneth over. Zacchaeus went from the mentality of this is just the way it is and we can't change anything to a sense of possibility because in the presence of Jesus there is no telling what may happen. Zacchaeus went from a man who was short in stature as the scriptures tell us because he had to climb up into the tree to see who Jesus was, but then he changed. He went to a man who was able to stand right in front of Jesus, look him square in the face, and call Jesus Lord. Lord, I will give away half of all of my possessions, and if I have cheated anyone, I will pay them back four times over. Isn't that amazing, the effect that Jesus has on our lives? The before and after are remarkable. Jesus wanted all the people that he encountered to know that the kingdom of God is all around us so that we can stop believing the lies of there is not enough, more is better, and that's the way it is. These are not kingdom values. And if Jesus' favorite topic in the Gospels was the kingdom of God, his second favorite topic, can you guess? Money. Because Jesus understood that money is the main obstacle between us and living in the kingdom of God. When we find, like Zacchaeus did, when we find that Jesus is the answer to what is missing in our lives, it changes the way we do everything, and it starts often with our finances. Zacchaeus gave away half of all of his possessions as a way to live out his praise to God. How do you and your financial priorities reflect your praise and your thanksgiving to God 
for the way that God loves you and has redeemed you through Jesus Christ. Zacchaeus is transformed. He became the person that God created him to be. No longer is Zacchaeus described as a sinner or a rich man or a man who is short in stature. All of those descriptors fall away. And now, after he has encountered Jesus and changed his life, he is simply described as a child of Abraham. And that's what we say each and every Sunday, that we ourselves remind ourselves that we are nothing more and nothing less than beloved children of God. So to what end? Remember what Jesus said in the story. Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. Salvation? So salvation means more than calling Jesus Lord. It means hearing the good news, being touched by it, and also responding to it. Salvation means that we live our lives differently. And one of the key ways we reorganize our lives around the lordship of Jesus in our lives has to do with money. Because where your treasure is, there is where your heart will be also. We began this conversation around stewardship and money two weeks ago, and we continue that today. And I address you as leaders of the church, knowing that you are faithful and that you are responding in the best way that you know how to the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life and in the life of this congregation. And I think that we can be frank together as leaders of the church as we talk about money. So the scenario that I gave two weeks ago sounded like this. Let's assume that a church has 100 giving units, which means 100 individuals or families who commit financially to give to the church. And let's assume that the average household income for these 100 individuals and families is $30,000 per year. And let's further assume that each one of these 100 pledging units commits to a full tithe, 10%, and that all of that tithe goes to the general fund in the church budget. What that means is that each household would be giving $3,000. And so if you do that 100 times, that means the income from pledged income would be $300,000. I give you that scenario because it is close to where we are as a church. Our budget is around that figure, and we have almost that many pledging units. We have around 90 or so people, individuals, or families who commit to give every year to the church. 
The only variable that I can't speak for is what the average household income is. But in my imagination, $30,000 as an average is a conservative figure. Keep in mind this is an average, and I know that many of you here are on fixed incomes, but just as many people on our church rolls are actively working like Lara and I are, and an average of $30,000 is really not that much money. So what we, where we are as a congregation, if we have around 90 pledging units, we've been receiving for the last three years around $270,000 in pledge commitments. Knowing that other money comes in that's not pledged and helps us make our budgets, but just pledged commitments alone, around 270. In 2009, a year ago, of the 98 commitments that we received in our church, 31 were for $1,000 or less. So if you are working full-time like Laura and I do, you know that we can do better. And I would not be asking you to do what Laura and I have not committed to do ourselves. And the reason why I bring this up is this. For the past two years, our session has approved a deficit budget. What this means is that at the end of December or early in January, we have reviewed and tried to be as faithful as we can with the budget, and we have received as many pledge cards as we can wait for. And for two years in a row, we have not received the money in that would, that would uh, make for a surplus budget. In 2009, we were at $3,800 under. This year, we were $27,000 under, not accounted for. Now, the money is coming in from non-pledged income. And so you may think, well, God is taking care of us. So what's the big deal? Isn't God taking care of things? And I'm not sure that I would argue with you on that. I do believe that God takes care of us and is faithful. That is never the question. The question is, are we taking care of our relationship with God? And the point is this. You don't really care about the budget and I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, I don't really care that much either. <laughs> but here's the point. We are not a deficit budget church. When we at the session level have to approve a deficit budget, and when we get in the habit of doing that year after year, we are more and more living into the lie that is not enough. And that lie of not enough prevents us from being extravagantly generous. There is a certain anxiety that comes with a deficit budget. And the leaders of the church, we feel that. And that anxiety is not part of what it means to be a faithful and vital congregation.
the anxiety of not enough is damaging to our sense of who we are. And it makes us, in terms of the story for today, it makes us like Zacchaeus, short in stature. Often we think, well, the church is doing okay. They obviously don't need my money. But this way of thinking looks at it from the wrong perspective. It's not about what the church needs. It is about your need to live your praise like Zacchaeus did. Often we think, I can't give that much, so my little contributions don't really help the church. And again, it's not about what the church needs. The question is, your commitment to give away, no matter how large or how small, does that commitment reflect your love for God? It's time for us to change the economy here in this place. And again, I speak to you as leaders of the church who can help me do that. We are not a deficit budget church. To the contrary, we are extravagantly generous church. We give almost $10,000 a year away just in special offerings to the Presbyterian Church. So my point is that our giving to the general budget should reflect our same generosity that we have year around. The difference instead of spending most of the year worrying about, is there enough? We will have the great joy and awesome responsibility of discerning together what to do with our abundance. That's the picture of Zacchaeus at the end of the story, the joy that he experienced from giving it away. What church do you want to be? Do you want to be the church of not enough, where we are sitting in church meetings where we have limits placed upon us? Well, that's a good idea, you know, but we don't have money for that. Or would you rather be the church where we sit in meetings and dream new dreams and share generously? And if you don't trust that the church would handle a surplus budget the way that you think we should, then that is another conversation that I invite us to have together. A surplus budget, you say? What would we do with that extra money? Two things. Following the example of Zacchaeus and most of the biblical witness, give it away. Give it away to support local missions so that the church becomes a conduit for us to do good in the world and especially here in our community. That's what the Bible says when it says that we are blessed to be a blessing. We give it away, but we can also create ministries here in this place that change people's lives. 
That needs to be our criteria. How are our activities, how are our programs changing people's lives because they are encountering the good news of Jesus like Zacchaeus did? And if we can't answer that, if we don't know how what we are doing affects people and changes their lives and allows them to encounter the good news of Jesus Christ, then we need to stop doing that and find something else that does. You know the good news. You've lived it and you've experienced it in your own life. And we say it here, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. We serve a God of abundance, not scarcity. And I would simply not be doing my job as your pastor if I did not challenge you to become the church that you already are. It is my joy for three years here in this pulpit now to proclaim to you the good news that God is always with us and that with God there is always enough and to challenge us together to be a church of abundance. If you walked into a church looking for a place to worship God, wouldn't you want to be part of a church that is trying new things and acting extravagantly like Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus had to climb up in the tree to see who Jesus was. Many of us are stuck in the tree. We may like the view from up there, but like Zacchaeus, there comes a time when we have to come down, get off the tree, and look Jesus square in the face and tell him, how we will respond to his love and his compassion and his grace. I invite us now to a time of silent reflection, knowing that you need this time in your life. As we kick off the Advent season, a time that most people say, I'm too busy, spend 60 seconds in silence together. Turn off your Blackberries and PDAs and sit in the presence of God.